This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features singer-songwriter Steve Waite. Steve Waite released a new album called Another Day Blown Bright. If you are listening to this today, Wednesday, September 25th, you can go check out the album release party tonight at Come On Everybody in, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Uh, that starts at 8. It's a $10 suggested donation going to a benefit. There are several other bands, I think two bands before him, so they'll probably be on around 10 o'clock. One thing I've been working on lately is being intentional with my time and focus and just trying to make decisions based on my overall mission. And I don't have it all figured out. I know that for me, martial arts is a part of my practice, and I recently have got back into that, and that just makes me feel and do better to do that regularly. And then the other thing I've known for a while is that the people around you, being around people doing like-minded things can make you better at what you're doing. So I'm glad that Steve is part of my community, and I had a great time having a conversation with him. So here's Steve Waite. Let's have a conversation. So how's it going, man? It's going great. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, so you have a show coming up the 25th. 25th. It's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Um, where's that at? Come on, everybody. And where is that? Come on, everybody is on Franklin and Bedsty. Franklin and shoot, that's like Lafayette. You've been uh, you've been over there. I feel like I have. It's nice. So it's got like a this front like horseshoe shaped front room. So it's got the small bar on the left, and it wraps around, and comes back to the other thing. It's like one of those double like uh, wide um, commercial spaces that has like the stairwell in the middle to go up to the apartments. So it, co- it wraps all the way around, and then there's a back door, and they have a Huge music venue. It's not huge, but like it's, it's it could fit maybe 150 people in there. I don't know if I have been there. And you said that's in Bed Stuy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great venue. Great sound. Where did you say it was again? It's Franklin, Franklin Ave in like Lafayette. Okay. Come on, everybody. So it's like C with a little apostrophe M O N. Yeah. Come on, everybody. And um, you can find it if you're looking up Steve Waite, W A I T T dot com or any of those. They can find. It all plastered all over the place where Facebook events and it's on the website with the address and link and all that stuff. But we have it's three bands. It's going to be Chris Cubetta, you know, you know those guys from Studio G. Studio G is a um, big production studio up in um, Greenpoint. Been okay, there, been there for a long time. And Chris Cubetta used to work for Aluminum Foil, owned that, and then joined forces with Studio G. So they have like huge, like three main big rooms, uh, two huge rooms and one smaller room actually, but. Big one's got the big Neve console and the B3 organ and grand pianos, but those isolation booths, real productive. And they're a recording studio or label? Or? So it's a recording studio mm-hmm. uh, on Dobbin and Greenpoint. And uh, so they produced this album and then they're doing a, like a residency there like once a month and having bands that they produced or been a part of. So it's me um, and I'm like playing last and releasing the album and then Chris Cubetta and his band opened up for us and he's great and then uh, before that is a group called Fat Heaven which is like a punk group they're fantastic 
So it's the three of us at the benefit show. I should say all the money goes towards uh, Brooklyn Community Pride Collective. Um, shoot, if I'm not mispronouncing that. They're, they're, they're located down on Fulton, kind of down by the Nostrand AC, and it's, they help out local LGBT community and fundraising and kind of organizing events, testing, H, you know, HIV testing, kind of help support people down there. Um, and that link is all in the is in the event and everything. You can find out what, what, a little bit more about their cause, but that's where all the money goes. Um, and how much are tickets? Ten bucks. Oh, nice. Su- suggested donation. Nice. I like suggested donations. Yeah, yeah um, it all goes to them anyway. So I don't think we turn. If you're a group of five people and you're all broken, I don't think we turn you away. But but that's the, where all the money goes to. Take off my Radley keys here. I feel like uh, the suggested donation thing is a good model for like for shows anyway. Yeah. Like usually, I found. Um, those are some of my favorite shows. Like more people come out. Um, and sometimes you actually raise more money than, than like having a, you know, expensive price. Cause usually also when there's an expensive, uh, price, there's like a negotiation on mm-hmm. splits and all of that. Mm-hmm. That happens mm-hmm. that yeah. counterintuitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. You can put, you can put as much money as you want in there. Yeah. And, and if you don't, if you're broke and you just want to come in. So how would you describe your music? Oh God! Well, we've got um, we're a four piece right now, and this in this album we have you know more than that, but it's kind of a traditional rock setup. So we drums, bass guitar, electric guitar, multiple electric guitars sometimes, acoustics, and then I play the keyboards. I play a kind of I like vintage keyboards, so like Wurlitzer Rhodes kind of stuff, organ synthesizers. And then I sing, and then we I usually have like some backing vocals. Either guy or, or gal, like my friend Heidi sang on a couple for this one. And we fall always into the, you know, into the rock, uh, indie, alt folk, psychedelic folk, you know, kind of genre. You know, um, influenced by all the people that were in, in, influenced by here in, in New York. But I think probably my roots are more like in the songwriter part of more folk. Tom Waits and Dylan and you know Guthrie and all that kind of stuff. Speaking of, so your name is Stephen Waite. Yeah, Stephen Waite, W-A-I-T-T. So similar to that Tom Waits guy, yeah. but yeah, one move the move the the T one spot over to the left, and then we would have the same name. Yeah, um, and you. So how did you come to music? When I was uh, when I was young, you know, I think like a lot of people, you got. You, people who love, you know, who right away are like making up songs and singing as a kid and always want attracted to music, always want to listen to it and fascinated by it. And uh, my folks were supportive. So they put me in like a kindergarten for music, for, for kids, for music. And then I did like choirs, took classical piano when I was seven, did the, you know, the violin and the clarinet and all the, the kind of nerdy high, like junior high and stuff like that. Um, toured around with, with bands, and then once you know you hit that age where you're like, I don't want to play classical music. I want to rock. I want to smoke weed. I'll listen to, the, you know, I want to have fun. I don't want to do this uh, 
yeah, I don't want to play this classical music anymore. And nothing against people who love classical music. I never had when, that weed phase. You never got you never got stoned when you were in high school and said, "Oh fuck it." I oh no, I did. It just wasn't a phase. Just you know, <laughs> just kept going. <laughs> it was from birth. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I smoked weed until I was. Um, I remember exactly when it was. I was like fifteen. Yeah, for me, actually, uh, joking aside, like it was the first time I was thirteen. And then did it a little bit. And then I didn't actually for most of high school until like senior year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's been off and on ever since. So. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, that's a good drug to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than drinking alcohol. Yeah, I agree. Um, Which also that one I got into later. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like alcohol is a lot of fun, but high consequences that's like my assessment of it. Like it's a price. It's a heavy price that you can pay with it. I think it's, I think you can you can smoke weed your whole life. I don't. You can drink your whole life too, but drinking your whole life will kill you. Yeah. Smoking weed your whole life will not. No. Yeah. And contrary to popular opinion, I think you can't. Like it's not for everybody. Just like anything. Um, but the lazy pothead thing, I think, is kind of. There is truth in that it like relaxes you, uh, but some of my heroes were super productive and were all also prolific stoners. Uh, Bob Marley being like one of them that comes to mind, just mm-hmm. crazy work ethic, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah you, you know, you just gotta be if you have all the things in front of you to motivate you, you got a band, you got you know, it's good to have someone maybe like a manager, yeah. Because if, if you're the one making the schedules, like, ah. <laughs> it's yeah. Good. It's good to have someone who's a, who help, is a little more task-oriented, I guess. But I, uh, like I, I wrote a play about him back in the day, um, thinking about dusting off at some point. And that was one of the things, reading about him, is he actually had like a pretty strict daily regimen that he like set for himself. Mm-hmm. Like, he was an early riser. Um, I think he read the newspaper or play guitar pretty early mm-hmm. um and then there was like a physical regimen um pretty clean eating mm-hmm. and then you know whatever after that but like he had he had pretty serious like morning ritual uh which i'm working on implementing for myself now um i've been hearing that do you have any type of uh ritual in your practice or how do you how do you approach songwriting Oh, I don't know. I, I guess it's more in spurts, really. I don't have. When I'm in it, then yeah, I just I'm just in the studio. I just go. I'm, it's kind of like you get obsessed about it, and you go, and and that's all you can think about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you're if you're trying to get a, you know, it's it's not even a. I, I guess it's important to have like a time a time when you're like you make time for it. But normally, for me, it's 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 not really a choice. When it's when I'm in it, then I'm that's all I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know. And then sometimes, and when I'm out of it, I'll go a month without touching an instrument. It happens all the time. I think it's good to kind of step back from that, and maybe do something else, you know, kind of something maybe still something creative, but decompress. Another thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that not everyone's that way, but. 
for me, it's kind of like I, want, I, I like to submerse myself in it. Now I'm, it's, I obsess about it. It's in my head. I'm always thinking. I'm always, always running in my head. The music's there, and I'm, I've got to work it out. I've got to go play it, figure out the parts, and and then it kind of does itself. In some ways, that that motivation is kind of self. Um, uh, it's kind of inherent in there. Like I don't have to think about it too much. I guess when there's a uh, you know, I guess when I was in younger, you know, it's good to have that, you know, at, from this hour to this hour, I practice my instrument, so you're going to get better. You know, as a kid, I think when I gotten older, it's, it doesn't really seem to be that way. I think it, I just, it gets led, it leads itself that way. It sounds like, though, not that you can't keep improving, but it sounds like you probably have had your 10,000 hours on at least the piano and, like, keys. <laughs> Uh, so then after that point, like, I think there's different approaches, but, you know, up to that, you mm. know, and I know that's a little bit of a theoretical thing, but I do think there's truth in that and getting those, getting those reps in on whatever it is uh, mm. to, to get kind of mastery of whatever it is you're doing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, you gotta, you gotta put the time in, you know, kind of, what do they say? You know, you take some. Um, seven years to master it and then seven years to forget it right you have to kind of not do it to let it so you're not trying to it gets into your hands and then you don't have to think about it mm-hmm. before you can actually express it in a way that's original but it's good to have it in your hands first yeah you gotta get the form yeah so uh keys they become your main instrument do you still play some of the other things i play some guitar Mm-hmm. Yeah, keyboard's the main instrument. But I, I love the guitar. I wish I was better at it. But it's good for songwriting for me. And I and I always play a, a few songs on the, you know, in in the set of music. I'm usually playing pulling out the guitar on something. Helps motivate a different kind of writing inspiration too. I think it's good to write on instruments you're not good at too. You know, if you suck at some instrument, because then it seems like limitless. You know, like what you can do. It's playing just a couple notes. You can't really do the whole right. thing. And then just but those couple notes can bring out inspiration that you can write from. Where if you're really good at one instrument, you're kind of like, well, I've done all these things. Everything's been, you, you kind of know too much. You know, you kind of crushes some of the creativity where uh, it's... It's good to mix it up that way. It's like there's freedom and constraints sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like if you have all the freedom with something and then you put some constraint on whatever it is, then it forces you to be creative mm-hmm. in a way like mm-hmm. where you can focus a little bit better. Yeah. You know? it's, maybe it seems a little more limitless, you know? Yeah. Where if when you master something, then you know what all the possibilities are. Mm-hmm. When you don't, then it seems like there's endless possibilities. Yeah. You know, and, and you're, you can, you're, it can... You know, not that I'm going to start shredding something on guitar that's interesting, but it can lead towards a, like a vocal melody or a song idea, harmonic structure that could be cool and then played off of and then brought to, brought back to another instrument that is with a band. Because most of the stuff I'm doing is is uh, with a full band. Greg plays with you a lot? Mr. Greg Tui. Uh, I just started actually a couple of days ago taking, I took my first guitar lesson with him. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, speaking of things I'm not so good at, but like, he's the best. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's he's giving me some lessons too. So how? Uh, so going back, so 
you started playing music at a young age and then you started touring with bands. When did this project kind of start? Like you? Yeah, this was, this was strictly like very much a New York uh, project. Before this, I was in New Orleans and this was a while ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe um, early 2000s, I lived in New Orleans. And so there I was doing a lot of backing of other musicians playing keyboards. Were you doing jazz a lot or just whatever? It was jazz, it was funk, it was reggae, it was... Um, New Orleans, yeah. Everything they got there. So you can sit, I was playing harmonica, I'm singing. Um, you know, it's just really... You can just go down Frenchman and sit in with people if you're, if you're decent. And that was a blast. And before that I was, you know, playing like college bands and touring and, and out, out west coast. It was like at that point, I think, where I moving out of Oregon, like where I went to college um, for music and going out of playing in college bands, I decided that I didn't want to just be the keyboardist in a, like a like a band that was we did a lot more upbeat stuff. And like it was fun, a lot of fun, good party and played festivals and stuff like that. But I was just one member of the band. I wasn't I wanted to write more. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have like more lyrical like front and that's kind of like I was when I really got um, into Tom Waits and when I got into some of the folk guys and like you have to have great I just was so inspired by how much how powerful it is just to, just one person instrument great lyrics writing great song and that wasn't really what my band wanted to do you know and so when I went to New Orleans and I started kind of that journey of moving from there down to San Francisco and to Austin and traveling and playing music. I kind of figured out my own solo. I had been writing my own stuff um, solo and then by the time I left New Orleans um, 2004 and came up here I really wanted to uh, I got into the songwriter scene here which was incredible. Like that kind of just blew my mind. What year was that? 2004. Okay. Yeah. 2004 that's when this was like the very beginning of 2004. I went to like my first open mic at Bar Matchless, you know, that spot over there in Greenpoint. And then uh, went to Sidewalk Cafe, where there'd be like 70 people signing up. Um, everyone would play like one song sometimes, two songs. And people were hungry, you know. And like right out of that time, like Regina Spector was just kind of coming out of that scene. Like a lot of these people had played Sidewalk Cafe, Beck had played Sidewalk Cafe, like all these New York musicians who were great. Had a, it's like the longest running open mic. That's where I met Alex Lowry. That's where I met you know all these people um, who are still my like best friends, Luke Wesley, Mike Grubbs, like all these folks that were out of that songwriter scene. Um, and then you'd get the if you did well at the open mic, then you could play the one of the weeknight showcases by yourself or with a band. And then Rockwood Music Hall came about just around that same time, and that became a real scene. Living room. It was like a you could then if you were you worked your way up you could play with a band and you could play get a Saturday night gig and it was just walk-in crowd so you could build a, a following that way because people would just bounce around and look at seeing shows who's who's playing tonight and it was really great because you get inspired by all these people who are really throwing it down like you can tell that like you don't want to go to the next open mic and not have a new song so it was really like you were pushed and I really needed that coming from New Orleans which is. <clears throat> A lot of fun, but that's not a. There's no real push. It's real lazy. It's a big easy, mm-hmm. you know. The big easy. So everyone's kind of. There's no follow through down there. Great musicians, 
not to say that no one's motivated, because there are, but in the mass majority compared to New York, New York is on, is on like, you know, all just jacked up. Like they're all cracked out on how motivated they are. And yeah. in New Orleans, they are just chilling. Yeah. You want to you want to start a band? Sure. Cool. What are you doing this weekend? Oh yeah, let's go to my house and jam. Okay, cool. Uh, you know what? Let's just drink instead. Right. <laughs> let's just get fucked up. And then Strum makes some noise. The great underground scene, like real punky kind of like, um, like, sound like sound, anti like virtuosic kind of like fucking awesome shit, like really good underground scene. But it was very small. Most of the people there are playing. For tourists, like mm-hmm. that's your money. It's like being able to, to, to hang with like a jazz group or hang with a, a Zydeco group or or covering whatever. Like cover bands do really well. Yeah, it seems like a place. It's not, like it's late, not lazy. Like, well, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but for people in New York listening, like uh, a place where you can go if you're a musician, and there is easy money to be made. Um, if you're if you're good and it's still like be good and stuff like that, mm-hmm. whereas like New York, with all of the arts here, you can work your ass off and get really good um, with the competition. Like like you won't be alone in the grind, and it can still be hard to like make the money here. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's what they say. The Big Apple, you, you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. The Big yeah. the big Easy, if you can't make it there, don't leave. Right. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a, it's a great place, but it's not, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and it's good that way. You know, I miss, I miss that because New York is too hard sometimes. You know, you push and push and push and you often got to do some other bullshit job that you have to, to do to pay for it. Yeah, you know, and sacrifice a lot, and get caught up in some in crap, and before you know it, years go by, and you haven't, you're doing more work to support your career. The, the means to the end become the the end itself, and it's a struggle in New York much yeah. more. Yeah, what, what are we? Why are we here? What are we doing here? Yeah, let's go to New Orleans. Let's fuck. Let's get out. Let's get out of here. <laughs> uh, but you've been doing all right. You've been doing pretty good. It's been a long. It's been a long haul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we we got some good breaks. We had a we have this label now that's we've been with for three years, and they've been helping out quite a bit. Make my day records. They're out in Germany. So we did. I started touring out there in two thousand eight, and really fell fell in love with touring Europe because that's just so much fun compared to. I mean, as a contrast, I had been touring the states for twenty years, and just kind of got burnt out on it. Mm-hmm. You know, just getting in the van. And driving and driving and driving and driving. You have to get up. At the end of the gig, you got to get in the van and start driving, you know, to make it to Columbus the next day kind of thing. That's That can wear on you. And not always a lot of, like, to play for not really big crowds a lot of times. And once I started touring Europe, it's like, even when I was just touring solo, I was doing really well. You can get on a train in, like, an hour and a half. You're in another country. You know, tour all around. There was a was really something that kind of opened my eyes up to what that could be i think a lot of people kind of figure out touring that circuit is it's a lot more profitable and sustainable you know i think and it's almost like the not the people like it's not the people it's like the government 
it's almost like they value art more over there. Yeah. <laughs> I I saw something uh, and I haven't like cross-checked it or anything, but I saw that last this past year uh the arts like made more money than I forget which industry. It might have been like fossil fuels or some crazy shit, but like when you think about it that is kind of what like this country's big industry has become like if you think of tv and entertainment like that's where all the money is that's where all the ad revenue is like focused on yet it's like underfunded mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's weird yeah no it's they don't have a they don't have a support for the arts i mean they're i mean I mean, Laura's from Amsterdam, Amsterdam. right? So yeah. I was when I was in Amsterdam, um, and I met some friends there. And a guy who I had met him in New York because he was like an exchange student. He was going to the University of Amsterdam. Um, I think that's what they call it. It's something like the Amsterdam Conservatory or whatever it is. But it's a music conservatory, and he's a he is a uh, Netherlands resident, you know, citizen. And so he went to that college for free and they paid for his housing. And they also said, well, you want to spend a year studying music in New York? Because he had a he he was really fascinated with um, gospel music. So (laughs) he lived right over here on on Knoll Street, like right right here. Uh, And he lived with Heidi, my friend. That's how I got to know him. He's like a six, six white like super skinny nerdy jazz dude and he's like his name was thomas great dude i ended up becoming really good friends and he toured with me later on and he says i just really love gospel music steve and i'm like so he came to new york and joined a gospel bands in bed and learned how to play gospel music and so they have he has these photos of him and all this these gospel Bands in Bedside, which is him, the guitarist, and the the uh, Amsterdam Conservatory thought that was a great idea, so they paid for his housing here, they paid for his plane tickets, they gave him a stipend, and he studied music here for a year. Yeah, and then he came back, and he's like, and enriched their in their, in their minds. They're like, yeah, this makes our our music and our culture stronger. Yeah, it makes us a you know it makes us a richer people um, culturally and. This helps, and this, you know, our studies show that this helps lead towards happier people, healthier people, make uh, more productive, and have, have we don't spend as much on mental issues, you know, like take care of our artists, and they'll take care of us. Yeah, it was a pretty good philosophy. I agree. We don't do that here. No. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah. But you know, they always kind of like a lot of them look to us and say, "Well, we." Uh, I guess they like our struggle somehow, you know. Somehow there's something about well, you know, how how hard you have to claw your way to do to do well here. Some something about that makes makes for good music. Too. Well, I mean, you got here in two thousand four. I got here two thousand eight. Um, so both been here for a while. Like you've been here what fifteen years? I guess yeah. that's about right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, it's like eleven for me now, and. Yeah, like there have been many roads traveled here, many different directions, but I'm still kind of dug in here. 
even though there is like very much the chance at some point that uh amsterdam might be the next move at some point um, but there's still something about that forge of new york um and that i've like re-fallen in love with over the last three years mm-hmm. um yeah so what uh what do you do you like focus on specific subjects like when you write like what, does this album have a theme I don't know. Yeah. So this and is the album out already, or it, it just released. So, yeah. So we have. Uh, it's called Another Day Blown Bright, and it just released Friday. So I don't know when this this um, actually will come out, but we're t- I'm hoping that you know kind of come around just in time before the show the, the show on the 25th. But if you're listening now, it, you can find it. Mm-hmm. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple Music. Steve Waite. It's pretty easy to find because my name, W-A-I-T-T, is spelled a little differently, so there's not really any other Steve Waites. Uh, go out there, find it, and you could call it Another Day Bone Bright. The, the theme of this one, I guess, is um, some of it's kind of a little looking back towards some of my, where I grew up in the Southwest, in Tucson, Arizona, so I have some kind of looking back towards that. Uh, some of the artwork and some of the feel of it that I wanted to have was this like Southwest road trip. Some of some of it is, you know, um, the front cover of it and, and some of the artwork and like um, one of the out, uh, songs. Another, you know, three or four of the songs are kind of looking towards that as a kind of a um, a source for the inspiration. You know, kind of feeling like kind of homesick. I think I hadn't been back for a long time and this was writing some songs about like back back in those days. Uh, and then of course it's the other rest of it's usually typically about, you know, just uh, exp- the experience of living with, you know, just knowing people, love and, and friendship and heartache and all those kind of things like kind of all feed into, that's the kind of normal trope that I guess I kind of get into. That's what I get inspired by. Um, I don't really sing a lot of like super political stuff, or I don't really sing too much about, um, you know, how how awesome the party is, or anything like that, <laughs> you know. But it's it's a little, I guess, a little more reflective and and try to try to cut cut into, you know, some some way of looking at things in a different way. Hopefully, capture that something there emotionally. That's usually that's usually where it comes from, I I would I would say, yeah. Um, and do you have like a, another tour planned, or yeah. what's after what's happening after the show? So October tenth, I take off. Um, so the release is September twenty fifth at Come On Everybody, and then ten days. 50, so is two, that a release party too? That's a release party. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's the that's we just got the rec, we got vinyl for the first time too. I'm really excited. So I got a gigantic stack of vinyl from shipped to me. It just came in the mail a few days ago. Uh, so we got vinyl and CDs, and then uh, we go to to Germany, fly out, um, and the first show is the 15th, I believe, of October, and it runs till November 9th. So it's about a, a four week tour in Europe. And then we'll be it's it's only Germany and Belgium, just those two countries this time. Um, and then after that, yeah, that's that's the release. There's about 20 shows out in the air. Nice. That should be fun. Yeah. It uh, so you'll be there from like October 10th, you said, to like November 10th, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
That's nice. exactly yeah. That's gonna be fun. That's a good time. That's my it's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and as you were saying before, like touring Germany and Belgium, you're not driving for hours and hours every that's right. after every show. Well that's it. I mean shot that Germany's big, but typically you're looking at about a two to three hour drive. You got the Autobahn as well, which is fast. Is that like the train? No, Autobahn is their uh, highway system, which doesn't have a speed limit. Oh, wow. You can go as fast as you want. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun. Because they're built, they build these, um, oh, little history of the Autobahn built during the um, Second World War. Hitler gets a lot of credit for the, for the Autobahn, but he kind of did, but his engineers thought of it. Um, they wanted to have these big, wide roads that you could like land a plane on and roll a tank on, so you could mobilize your army very quickly to go anywhere in the country. In order to do that, you can't do that on an asphalt street. They put like five feet of concrete and lay that down, and then you could and really make it wide and the light. You don't have to have these this lighting, so you can land planes on autobahn. You can ride a tank on the autobahn, and it's no problem. The advantage of it is when you're driving. You don't feel anything. So you can, when all that German engineering, as you get going fast enough, it's meant to be on the Autobahn. You, you're going and it starts pushing your car down so it starts giving you better traction. And wow. You can move fast. So all those, all those fast cars that are designed, they're designed to go on the Autobahn. And you can be going 100 miles an hour and you don't know it. It's a totally different thing. You're cruising, you're looking down, and I'm like, I'm going 100 miles an hour. 90 miles an hour, it doesn't feel like anything. It feels like going 60 here. Because it doesn't, your car's not shaking, it's not breaking apart. But then you see like a car out of your left hand mirror, it's like a fucking Ferrari or something's going like 200 miles an hour. And there's no speed limit. You can go as fast as you want. And that's how, and the, I mean, they're like eight lanes wide. Are the, like, are there, what are like the accident? Percentages is it less than here? You think people they use a lot of common sense. You cannot just get a German driver's license like you can get a U.S. driver's license. Like they're it's very serious. You have to be a very serious driver to get a German driver's license. So they 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 can all drive really well. Mm -hmm. It's a big part of their culture. So they they pay attention like they really yeah. do, and it makes a big difference. Now that said, I mean you don't. I think the first few times we toured, like, we got really excited. Like, me and Crash went on a tour, and we got this Mercedes, like, S-Series. And, like, we were like, let's see how fast we can go. We, like, had each time we took turns driving. I'm like, I got it. I just got it up to 130. He's like, well, I just got it up to 135. And we do that. And then after a while, you just realize, I don't have to go that fast. It's kind of like yeah. if your car goes that fast and, you, and it makes sense and you want to, you can most people just drive a, a reasonable speed limit, but reasonable speed limit is a lot faster because the roads are so good. So, like 95, 95 90, is pretty much normal, yeah, yeah, yeah. makes like, sense. It's like a pretty comfortable speed 80, 90, no problem. If you're going 100, it's not a big deal, um, depending on the car you have. Accidents, though, yeah, I've seen some bad ones because if someone's going super fast and they you get in an accident at that speed, it doesn't matter. Like you're, I've seen, and there's always that on every tour. There's always once because we make a lot. We we go we go a long way. We're doing seven thousand, eight thousand kilometers on the tour, and there's always the time where we'll have to stop for like a couple hours 
and the traffic's all backed up, and, and you see them bring the helicopter in, and they someone's getting airlifted, and somebody's definitely dead. That happens in the in the U.S. too, all the time. You know, there's fatalities there, but I think the the ratio is less there because people really are, don't they don't just give anybody a driver's license, and they are extremely strict about drinking. You can't, there's it's a zero tolerance on drinking and driving. Not you can't have a sip. It's they had for a while you could do like point. Zero five, um, you know, for the states it's point zero eight or point one, but there, a lot of Germany is no tolerance. So people don't drink and drive. They have a, they're much more. Uh, I think they have a lot more awareness. Um, it's kind of more of a social consciousness. Like, why would you do this? Because this is a stupid thing to do, and it's not good for the society. They have a, they have a much more common sense kind of thinking that way so uh, I don't see that many there's not a ton of them but when they happen you're definitely dead Mm -hmm. Uh, so who's who's going with you this time is uh, Greg and Crash does Crash go with you at all Crash and Greg have done almost every one of these tours I think Crash and I have probably clocked in about 25 tours together Greg and me somewhere close to that but this time around no, they're not. Um, actually, Greg is playing. He has a conflicting tour that he could not get out of. Uh, with, and with Aaron Parks, who's awesome. They've got a great, great uh, quartet that he's touring uh, all through the fall, so I couldn't get him. And then Crash also had like a huge commitment that he could not get out of. So I am playing with some friends of mine over there. Nice. Like, really great. I've made, over the years, I've made good friends, and I have a great band. They're good. But I, guys, I don't think you'd know. They're. They're like younger, like jazz jazz dudes turned rock. Like, and they have a lot of really good musicians. In, oh yeah, in, in Germany, they they have great school programs, and they just love they love American music too. I know some of Laura's friends. Like Laura was a theater publicist over there, mm-hmm. um, so a lot of her friends over there are actors, directors, mm-hmm. uh, musicians, and yeah, the music I've seen over there. That's like no big deal. It's like. Yeah, there's a proficiency over there because of the the way the education system works over mm-hmm. there. Yeah, because if you if you, you want to play music here, it's like at a certain point. I think a lot of people, unless your parents are rich, they you get discouraged. Like, well, you're not going to make money playing music. Like, stop. There, it's like, oh, you know, oh, we need more musicians. That'd be great. So we'll pay for all your college, and you can pay, and here's some money for rent. Here's some money for food. Learn how to play, play an instrument. Be really good at it. Yeah, they have a great education program there for for all for all the arts and for for everything in general. Their sciences and all these other things they do really well. They f- they figured out education is a pretty smart way to go. Yeah, take care, educate everybody, let them pay for their college, and watch, do you, watch what happens. Would you see yourself ever moving over? No. <laughs> I tried to actually. I, I went there in 2012. I spent three months thinking I was going to live there, and after about three months, I'm like, nah. Berlin is a fantastic city. Have you been to Berlin? I haven't yet. Oh, you gotta go. Yeah, it's 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 a great city. Fucking so much fun. Really like permissive, liberal uh, kind of mentality. Drink on the street, hang out in the parks, drinking, play music. They just really let people do what they think is makes sense. Uh, and it's cheap. Like they have massive infrastructure for like real transportation and venues and like what you would want for a major city, but the rent is super cheap. 
So they have a real bohemian music scene there and an art scene. So it's, it's, I love, I fell in love with Berlin the first time I went and oh, I've just been going back ever since. But I tried to live there over the summer 2012 and I thought I was just going to stay, like just be a professional musician and tour. And I just realized I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be like the, I guess it kind of at a certain point I just got homesick, mm-hmm. you know, like after, uh, like that time I just, I did a, a couple tours and then I was like, I, I miss America. I miss New York. I miss bullshitting with my friends in English. Yeah. You know, my German was not good. Um, everyone there speaks perfect English. Yeah. So they could, they're happy to talk to you, but the subtleties of it, just, yeah. you're just, it's just, it's just after a while, um, I didn't want to be, I, I didn't like Germany enough to live in and make that my home and like find, find somebody and get married, and like be a German. I think I just wanted, I like being, I like New York. I like America. That's because where I'm from. And so mm-hmm. I came when I, I'm, I kind of got homesick, came home and then, and then it's just like, I, I, I'll just keep going there like a couple times a year and traveling and touring and always, but I don't, I don't want to be a permanent resident. I don't, yeah. <laughs> uh, so why New York? <coughs> well, you know, after 15, <clears throat> 15 years, there's nothing really like it. You know, it's like yeah, <clears throat> you get bored everywhere else. It's like you're after a while. New York's great. You know, you always need to get out of New York and go travel. You know how it is. You go, yeah. go over to get out of the get out of the city, get out of the country. But there's nowhere else really in the country except maybe New Orleans that I would live. I think everywhere else would just drive me crazy. Like whenever I go somewhere that's like a, like a vacation, especially like a really lovely, like I go to Mexico or something, and, and I'm in a hammock on the beach. Like some people, are like oh, this is I could just live here forever, and I could not. Like well, after a month, I'm just, I'm just like chewing on the the, the edge of like the rope of the hammock and like going like, like crazy. Because you like to do things. I like the stimulation. I yeah. like I like the uh, I like the adrenaline of the city. And I like that it's just so, so interesting, you know, like the humanity of it is so fascinating to me. Like you go around and you just, in any day you can hear the, these conversations and see these people and just all this weird shit happens, all this diversity, it's, um, all this energy, like it's, it's, it's kind of what I need. Whenever I go to some place that it's like, a lot of these places like in Europe, they're, they're, if you're in Germany, pretty much everyone's German. Right. You know, you don't have a ton. I mean, Berlin's different because it's a real cosmopolitan city because there are people from everywhere. But that's a real summertime thing. It kind of goes away, I noticed, after, you know, during the other times of the years. It's not such a, it's in a transient place in that way, too. It's not like, but the permanent residence, you know, in these other countries, you grow up in that country. That's where everyone is from. U.S. is, I don't think, not everyone always thinks about it as Americans, but we are extremely, we have people from all over the world that are here and New York city is the world. Yeah. You know, there's nothing else like that to me. That's me is, is what I like. I like that kind of variety. It gives me energy. You know? I had a similar experience this last time in Amsterdam. Cause that was like the fifth or sixth time I'd been there mm-hmm. and thinking about, Oh, if we moved there and then really kind of taking it in, not that we were planning on moving anytime soon, but mm-hmm. taking it in with the mindset of like, what if I was living here? Mm-hmm. And then going into, I just remember, I remember being aware of it in general on this trip. And maybe part of it has to do with kind of the 
rightening of the world right now, like the right kind of movement mm-hmm. in the world, um, to where there was just a different energy. But also sometimes specifically like when I would go into more of like a local Amsterdam bar with people more mm-hmm. from Holland, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. as international. Because parts of when you walk around Amsterdam, it does seem international. But then if I went into like a all like pretty much all white, very Dutch bar, mm-hmm. um, noticing people looking at me mm-hmm. and not looking negatively, but do like sizing me up, like what's my story mm-hmm. and knowing that my experience there, one, I kind of have always been there with Laura. So like I have a connection to there, but mm-hmm. two, most people when they meet me and realize that I'm a black dude from New York, from Brooklyn mm-hmm. over there, that's like a selling point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I'm the cool black dude from Brooklyn, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm the other, you know, like, so it's, uh, yes. even being the cool black dude, like that's cool, but it's like also like, yeah, but also I'm Alec, you know, let's get to know me. Like, yeah, I can be that thing, but yeah. Um, and realizing that, yeah, New York, one of the things that I've didn't realize, I think I did realize when I first got here, but kind of re fell in love with the idea is that the avatar of what a New Yorker is, is not one thing. It can be anybody Mm. because everybody's here. Exactly. So there's no ownership on like the identity of a New Yorker. Yeah. The identity. Exactly. You're, you're not... You're not identifying yourself as the foreigner. Right. If you're in New York and you're from somewhere else, you're in from you're in New York. You're in yeah. New York. You're a New Yorker. If you are from if you are I think that's how I felt there too. That the previous album to this one called Stranger in a Stranger Land was about that experience, you know, was It's feeling, a great name, by the way. Thank you. Feeling like you were um, you're a stranger, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and a and even though everyone's excited to meet you because, oh, you're from New York and that's interesting and everything. But then you're at what point are you, okay, now what's more interesting? Like, it's not just like at a party, hang out. Okay, cool. This person's from here and maybe you hang out a few times. But then when you get down to like, like real kind of deeper friendships and all these kind of deeper identities and community and what people are growing into. Yeah, you're always basically the foreigner. Mm-hmm. You know, it would take decades to not be, you know to always just be that expat over there I didn't it works really well for some people yeah uh, me personally I I felt a little out of place after a while and in a way that I just I like feeling I like the comfortability of being in New York no matter where you're from people pretty much accept you yeah and that's and just without thinking about it it's not like you're an exotic uh, you know kind of animal on parade kind of thing you're you're just another person here and you you might have some different point of view and something that's interesting and that part's cool too but no one's thinking like you're some kind of a um a special thing it's not a you don't have to be separated by some kind of special entity in in your identity it's just another person here that's kind of unique to to new york yeah i I agree i don't know where else any anywhere like even other places in the country it's not the same no Mm -hmm. um like i'm Seattle, like, it's predominantly white and it's still diverse and stuff, but it's kind of, there's different cultures in Seattle and different enclaves. And growing up there, like, I 
know kind of a lot of the different communities there. Mm. Um, I know you're from Seattle. Is that oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there's still also in a way kind of a homogenous thing. And even like within what's also interesting is like within the different subcultures, there's more, there's more of a sometimes like a dogmatic kind of identity within the subcultures, like not, not entirely, but kind of like, Oh, we do this. So, so we have to do that versus here. It's like, because everybody can do everything um, within the different subcultures of New York, there's a lot of freedom to express yourself however you want to mm-hmm. um, and not really be ever questioned about why you're expressing yourself a certain way. Or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? No. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's an interesting place. Go New York. <laughs> yeah, like I used to, I, I, went up, I was in school in the, in the Pacific Northwest. It's a blast out there. It's yeah. beautiful. Were you in Portland? Or? I was in Eugene. Okay. Yeah. I know people from, from over there or yeah. stay over there. Yep, uh, we'll call it down. We'll where it's called. And now, now it's got a big football team. So now they're now they're. Which old. school is there? University of Oregon. Okay, the Ducks. Yeah, yeah. I used to live <laughs> with a guy who was a big uh, Ducks fan. Yeah, they, when I was in college, there they weren't a thing. Uh, I mean, maybe they were, but I wouldn't know. But they didn't get big until after I left. Then I think Nike Stadium came in, and then they put a bunch of money into their football program. So that became like a big college ball uh, college. A football college, you know, um, and then that supported the rest of it there. But when I was there, it was, you know, like the number one thing was like environmental studies, you know, or, or arts or um, some kind of uh, it was more, it was just more that way. There wasn't like a big science department, um, unless it was an environmental science. It wasn't, there wasn't a big like, if you wanted to go to um, the more like uh, techie school, uh, that would be. Corvallis, you'd go to OSU. Yeah, you know, there that was that was kind of the more um, agricultural and um, technological school, and Oregon was a beautiful place to Is go. Is there a school hockey team for the Ducks? Yeah, I uh, mean that's just a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, right. Weren't, weren't they? Uh, there was like a couple movies on that. The Mighty Ducks. Oh yeah, you oh know? my god. <laughs> <laughs> that's like my genera that's like my you know childhood mm-hmm. movie yeah, my movie. generation um no i don't think they had a hockey was team. that that wasn't yours Fuck, i don't know i don't i don't really <laughs> i don't really follow sports too much but I, they might i mean i went university of arizona has a hockey team and they're in the middle of the desert that's so you might as well I, they probably do the thing I think of with you said Tucson, Arizona. Also, mm-hmm. um, do you watch Last Man on Earth? No. Ah, that's a good one. It's about um, Tucson. Kind of. I mean, because it's like post-apocalyptic, so I don't really get much information about Tucson. Because mm. um, filmed out this film. Last Man on Earth. Uh, I think some of it is. It's you know, I wouldn't know. Like it could all be filmed in California. If there was but... a Last Man on Earth, he probably would live in Tucson. It would make a lot of sense to me. Uh, have you heard of their show? No. It's hilarious. It's uh, Will Forte is like oh, okay. the main guy. Um, mm. it's uh, like a, spoiler. It's not a comedy? Starts off, yeah, de- <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, it's great. Uh, so, uh, where's the best place for people to follow you? Oh, they can go to my website, 
Steve Wait, W A I T T dot com. And then all the you can link out to all the social media there. I don't really do social media, honestly. I kinda hate that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do have a Facebook page if people prefer that. Um, I, I do a lot of like the announcements through Instagram and that because that's usually the best way to I don't really know other way to promote stuff um, except to try to get people to to write about it or I, I don't think people necessarily go to my website to see what's going on are you going I, on a I podcast like, I like you know, to go hopefully people yeah if you can if I can get it. onto a podcast here <laughs> and there that's always helpful but yeah going it's all basically if you type my name in you, it's easy to find me I'll link it um, in the show notes as well. I'm in Spotify. If people want, you know, I know I know people like uh, free music, and that's cool too. Um, you can go to makemydayrecords.de to order the vinyl if you're fascinated about that. But you can get all the information uh, through the website. Yeah. Cool. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Man, not really. I mean, what else? What else do we have to say except uh, thank you so much? It's been it's been great. Uh, and I hope people come out to the show and I want to thanks, you know, wish you all the best too and all your endeavors you've been up to. Thank you. It's been an exciting year for you. Yeah, it has. Uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, most of it, you know, uh, how long have you lived in Bushwick, by the way? That was one thing Mm. I just thought of. Well, I've been on, I've been on Bushwick and DeVoe, so I'm kind of like East Williamsburg. Um, you know, two stops in from the Morganelle for 12 years. So I, the first three, I bounced around like most people do until I got that place. I got that place in 2007, um, and I rent's cheap, and I can't, I can't afford to move. Yeah. No way. I couldn't afford Bushwick at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I'd hope I'd ever have to move. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, thank you for sitting down. Um, and yeah, this will be out. Um, probably the week of the show, I'm guessing, yeah. or yeah, probably then. Oh, thank you so much for that. Appreciate thank you. It. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Steve Waite, and this episode is coming out the day of the show. Um, so it is the week of the show, but it is the very day. So if you are listening to this right now, the day that it came out, Wednesday, September 25th and you're looking for something to do tonight, go on to Come On Everybody. Um, It's a $10 suggested donation going to benefit. And it's the first show before he goes on a European tour for a month. So he's going to have a great time out there. Um, I'm a little jealous. But I hope you enjoyed that conversation. You can check out the links to his album and his website and Instagram and all that good stuff in the show notes. If you enjoy this episode and if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, share, um, and hit me up. Let me know. And if you want to come on, hit me up. Let me know. And uh, if you are inspired to do something, do it. Today is the best day to start. All right. Have a good one. That's it for today. Peace. Peace.